The uh, reading for this afternoon's service comes to us from Psalm 124. We will be reading the, uh, the entire psalm. Psalm 124, starting at verse 1. That's a song of ascent. If I had not been, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, yet Israel now, now says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When the anger was kindled against us, when the floods would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us. Then over us they would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. We have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. So far, God's word. I'd like us to look at Lord's Day 36 and 37 of the Heidelberg Catechism as uh, we consider uh, the exposition of the third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And what this means for us, particularly in our worship as we consider our vow for worship, which we open with each uh, service. Uh, so Lord's Day 36, what is God's will for us in the third commandment? That we neither blaspheme nor misuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, or unnecessary oaths, nor share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. In a word, it requires that we use the holy name of God only with reverence and awe, so that we may properly confess him, pray to him, and praise him in everything we do and say. Is blasphemy of God's name by swearing and cursing really such serious sin that God is angry also with those who do not do all they can to help prevent it and to forbid it? Yes, indeed. No sin is greater. No sin makes God more angry than blaspheming his name. That is why he commanded the death penalty for it. And then Lord's Day 37 as well. But may we swear an oath in God's name if we do it reverently? Yes, when the government demands it or when necessity requires it in order to, to maintain and promote truth and trustworthiness for God's glory and our neighbor's good. Such oaths are approved in God's word and were rightly used by Old and New Testament believers. May we swear by saints or other creatures? No. A legitimate oath means calling upon God as the one who knows my heart to witness to my truthfulness and to punish me if I swear falsely. No creature is worthy of such honor. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on his word as we consider it this afternoon. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, help us to set our hearts aright and to recognize that we can flourish no matter how hostile our times, no matter how difficult our circumstances. We can flourish when we take your name seriously and when we put our trust and our hope in you. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to see the practical implications of the third commandment for our daily living, but also for our confidence in your care. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we work our way through the Ten Commandments, we're looking at the, the first four, and the first four teach about what our relationship to God should be. These commandments are teaching us to love our God, the God of Scripture, a God without comparison. And the first commandment, uh, he teaches us to trust him, to trust him because there is no one else who compares to him. This is the law that he gives to us to show us and to guide us in, in his love, but also how he lovingly says, this is the way you can live in my favor with a confidence of, of my goodness toward you. And the second commandment is to draw near to me, not according to our imagination, not thinking of God in, in our own ways, but thinking of him according to his word and worshiping him in the light of his word. Remember, he says, I am holy. And I want you to have a concern for holiness in your worship and adoration of me. The third commandment says, now be careful. Be careful how you use my name. God's name. We considered that this morning. We have a name that we've received from our Father. He gives to every family, it's his name. But in this commandment, we need to see that there's a, a deepening of love for God. Can we call it this way? A, a maturing of our love. And the third commandment, love reaches its supreme expression. We express our love for God when we recognize His name. And not only recognize His name, but trust His name place ourselves under the care of His name, devote ourselves to the holiness of our name. It is the deepness of that love. And with that awareness that, that we love the name of the Lord, we love everything that His name stands for. And it's with that that each service we begin with our vow. When we use God's name aright, we, we may properly confess, pray, and praise Him in everything we do. And imagine that as we, we come to God and worship, the, the very first thing we say after God has called us to worship is, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Here is an expression of our deep, intimate relationship with God. We come to worship Him because He's our help. Because we know His name. And as we consider that this afternoon, our vow of worship, I'd like us to look at the third commandment in light of that vow. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And consider what this vow of worship is in, in God's name and also how it's designed for our neighbor's good. It always strikes me, well, it doesn't always strike me, but Lord's Day 37 has this striking statement that when we, we use God's name aright, we do so for God's glory and for our neighbor's good. Because when we use God's name aright, it's going to maintain and promote truth and trustworthiness. 
Those are the two things we're considering. God's glory and our neighbor's good. God's glory in his name. This is a vow in God's name, a swearing allegiance to God. As we come before him in worship, as, as we respond to his call, this is so important. This is what binds us together. Oh, we, we say it together. But isn't that an astounding confession that this isn't just about us as individuals. We say together our help. We say this not only to God, but we say this to each other. All those who are gathered here in worship, do you recognize that, that we're saying this to, to each other, our help? Whatever you came here for, whatever you are thinking is going on here in worship, we begin our anticipation as we, we come into God's presence and we say, our help is in the name of the Lord. How beautifully this, this begins to unpack the dialogue of worship that, that flows through these, these commandments. God calls and commands us to, to, to enter into His presence. We, we hear the call to worship, and, and we, we don't come to worship because we've invented this, but because we know God desires the, that. And God wants us to turn from, from everything else in this world and, and take this sacred hour and devote ourselves to Him. And, in, and after He has called us, we, we recognize our unworthiness. Think of Psalm 15. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who is worthy to go into God's presence? Who has the capacity? Who has the holiness? Who has the purity? Who has the obedience to come before this God who is a consuming fire? And God doesn't say, oh, until you've achieved that, until you've arrived, stay away. No, He says, come under the protection and with the grace and the mercy and the love for My name. And as you come into My presence, recognize that you are completely dependent upon My holiness. Our help is in the name of of the Lord. And that's precisely what God calls us to in the first commandment. Apart from trusting anything else and everyone else, trust me. I am God without comparison. You can come. You're called. You're commanded. You're summoned. Come here. Come into my presence and come under my name. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It's also a declaration of fellowship that the second commandment calls us to, that, that we're not coming according to our imagination, according to our pretended worthiness, but under the fullness of who He is. And notice that's the name. Not just any name. The name by which God has blessed us. The name of the Lord. And the third commandment teaches us to recognize the enormity, the wonder, the splendor, the overarching reality of what we are saying. Sometimes we can just go through this and we're miles away. We're still trying to get our, our heads and our hearts organized to, to come before God in, in His presence. And yet, this is a tremendous saying. From all that we've been relying on through the week, 
for all that we're anticipating as we come here in worship. Where is our help? In light of all that we've sung about, I thought uh, uh, Psalm 12 captures this very well, this rendition of this song. Help, Lord, for godly men are few. Isn't that the, the character of, of what our week is, is consisting of, that, that we're interacting with sinners and sinful people? And, and here we come into worship and, and we come all together and our encouragement to one another is now turn, turn from, from seeing the, the untrustworthiness of sinners and turn to the one who is a true and a steadfast help, the maker of heaven and earth. And now we've traveled a long ways down the road of love towards maturity. Our help is not just the Lord, not some, some supreme being who, who kind of exists there. It's the name, the name of the Lord. What a blessing to have that name. The name is precious, endearing, comforting, strengthening. God has given us His name as a revelation of His glory. He first revealed Himself as, as a, a God Almighty to Abraham. And, and that's how He sustained them. But, but as the, the unfolding of redemption develops and, and continues, God comes to Moses and He says, appears to Moses in the burning bush and He says, I am who I am. Then in Exodus 6, God says to Moses, before I've appeared to, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, that's how they knew Me. But now you're getting a, a further glimpse into My heart for you and into My redemption. And in Exodus 6, He says, now I want to be known as Yahweh, the Lord, the covenant God who will look upon His people and fulfill His promises, just as He did with Israel in Egypt. God has given us His name as a revelation of His glory. And this is unfolded as we go through the Old Testament and into the New Testament, and we begin to realize that that name is the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we need every person of the Trinity active and, and working, and, and we're completely reliant upon Him. And our vow is a confession and an awareness that our appeal as we come to Him in worship is triune God. Our covenant Lord, we need Your help. We need your help. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then most remarkably from that, God comes to us and He gives us the greeting, Oh, my people who are gathered here, who recognize before all men that you need my help. Grace. Grace to you and peace. You come as sinners into my presence. You come as those who recognize your need of salvation. And you know what you will get in His worship? Grace and peace. And a grace and peace that flows from my name, from the name of the Father, and the name of the Son. And so our worship begins. Our vow in worship is not a disinterested statement. It's a declaration of love. A love for God's name. And when we love God's name, we learn 
how to use it. To use it in a way that reflects His honor and His glory. Lord's Day 36 reminds us of this. In a word, what this commandment is calling us to is to use the holy name of God with reverence and awe. With awareness and honor. So that we may, and notice how it unfolds worship, confess Him, pray to Him, and praise Him in everything we do and say. But I love the Lord, and I love His name. And because He's made known that name to me in His Word, I will guard and guide how I think about Him. And how I speak about Him. And how I allow others to speak about Him. Because His name is to be revered. And so our vow of worship means we love His name. Then our vow of worship will also help us to stand for the name of the Lord. And that will be for our neighbor's good. Through this vow, and through awareness of of what it means to be God's name bearers, now we're, we're departing from worship to go and bear His name into the world. What reason do you have to be a truth bearer? To be a representative of God who stands for truth and trustworthiness. Our oaths and our vows that we make the way we give our promises and give our assent, and even if the government should require it, that we take an oath in the name of the Lord means that we strive to be faithful. We strive to promote the truth and trustworthiness. Why? Because we want to honor the name of the Lord. We'll be true to our word. Our lives will be different because we live with God's name on us. This means that we should use God's name in public. We should use it properly so that others may learn how and when to relate to Him. Through our vow for worship, our vow of worship, we will guard against the abuse of God's name, but will also Be careful about our use of language. Swearing and cursing. Not to enhance our telling of a story or enhance our perspective or prerogative on something, but trusting the truth. No, can I say it differently? Trusting God to establish the truth no matter how it is regarded in the world. We sang that in number 12. The sayings of the Lord are pure, like silver smelted seven times. You, Lord, indeed will keep us safe. You'll ever guard us from this race. The wicked freely strut about when vileness is esteemed by men. Why is it the further away from God we move? the more foul our language becomes. 
because we think we have to bolster the effects of our words. It is for our neighbor's good that we acknowledge the name of the Lord as the God of truth and the God of trustworthiness. He is the one who will make our case for us. But He is the one also who calls us in Ephesians 4 to guard how we talk. To guard how we talk so that we would preserve the honor of His name. Ephesians 4 verse 29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up, that it may benefit those who hear. You see, the vow we take in worship as we begin our help is in the name of the Lord is not just about how we approach God in worship. It's about how we approach our relationship with God in all of life. That the depth of our love for Him mirrors the weight of His holy name. And we want to help others recognize this. So we won't use unwholesome talk. But we'll speak in a way that is helpful, truthful, trustworthy, and upbuilding for those who are around us. You see, God has given us His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that we might live out this vow. Who of us is capable. We read through the Heidelberg Catechism's exposition of this. And we see, oh, what sinners we are. And the point is not to drive us away from God, but to drive us to Him. To drive us to Him in the midst of the battle with sin and the temptations of life. And that, I think, is most beautifully captured by Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Our side of truth speaking. Our side of using wholesome talk. Helpful conversations rather than hurtful conversations. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, and then repeat it, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. How often when reviled, don't we revile in return? And the danger is, as we forget the vow that we have made, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Why? Why? Because our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. You go into a world where there is no regard for the holiness of the Lord's name. There is no regard for the holiness of the God of Scripture. 
How will you talk? How will you use your language? How will you speak in a way that honors Him? Why is that so important? Because our salvation depends on God speaking to us. We looked at that in the second commandment. What is the wonder of our worship? It's the Word of the Lord that saves us. And the Word of His people who bear His name is the way we show His character to the world. That's His witness. Come to worship. Take this vow. Our help is in the name of the Lord. But don't leave it here. Go through the rest of the week into those hard and hostile environments and consider the tests and the temptations and let Israel say, let God's people say, be, let this be our assurance if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen.